0: God, we ask that you bless your word. We ask that you would continue to speak, God. Lord, as uh, this world changes, as society moves farther away from you, God, we know that we're going to be standing out. But that's okay. We want to be lights of your truth and have the opportunity to share Jesus with others. But strengthen us. Help us, God, to know how to get through these times, how to find your strength and uh, guide us, Lord. Help us to find direction, and I pray that even as we go through this passage, that we will learn more on what to do uh, through those times of persecution when it seems like the whole world is against us. And God, we know that you are here, and I pray, God, that in your through your word and in this time that you would clearly speak to our hearts, that you would equip us, transform us, and that we would Find more faith and trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, there's some things you don't see in the news. I came across some articles uh, about um, Christians who are being persecuted around the world. Uh, I read about the wives of three church leaders in China just this month made an appeal to the government as to the whereabouts of of their husbands. They don't know where they are. It's still unknown since the authorities had come into the church last August and apprehended them. I was thinking, how sad. People were beaten at that time and intimidated, and still yet these wives don't know where their husbands are. Last month in central India, 20 villagers were attacked by radical Hindu nationalist uh, because these villages were refusing to renounce jesus they had turned their hearts to jesus given their lives and turned their back on hinduism and so this group came in and and went into 20 villages attacking and abusing and and just beating people up this group who went in there were actually empowered by the government of india itself whose main party seeks to set up India as a Hindu nation. Just this last Sunday, rebels in Congo, West Africa, set off an IED bomb, killing at least 17 and hurting dozens at a church while Christians were gathered together for prayer, uh, getting ready for a baptism. Survivors were heard saying the attack was the last thing we ever thought would happen in our church today it's interesting i was reading that in a recent report that christian persecution is expected to rise even more in 2023 well it's expected isn't it jesus did say in john chapter 15 verse 20 a servant is not greater than his master if they persecuted me they will also persecute you. Well, as we continue our study here in the book of Acts, the persecution in the for, uh, upon the church, it goes way back actually to the early church. And that's what we're going to see here. We find courage and hope in how actually Peter and John handled persecution. And so what we're going to see today is the first persecution the first persecution that ever came upon the church. And that's our title. We're going to be studying Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. 1 through 22. Now we're going to see three things uh, in this whole section. And number one is the opposition comes. Number two, the opportunity to share. And number three, the overwhelming miracle. And, and uh, we're going to... Uh, this is our outline. And that's going to be our points, too, about this first persecution. So let's begin with number one. The opposition comes. The opposition comes. Now, we're going to be covering verses 1 through 4 in this section. Take a look with me here. All four verses. Acts chapter 4, verse 1 says, And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Greatly annoyed, verse 2, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Verse 3, and they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. And verse 4, but many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Okay, we'll stop there. Well, we're beginning, we begin here in verse 1. And Luke, the writer, says, and as they were speaking to the people. Now, this brings us back to what we saw last week. Peter was, and John were in the temple, and they're in the, uh, the portico. Remember, Solomon's portrait. And they were ministering to the Jewish people there in the temple. And so they are speaking about Peter and John as they were ministering, as they were uh, speaking. Now, you remember what happened the people saw a beggar healed, right? Uh, this lame man who had, hadn't walked since birth, we saw in, in chapter 3. And so they gathered to see this walking miracle. That was our title a few weeks ago. And so Peter, last week, as we saw in the second part of chapter 3, that Peter started to share Jesus. And our title was being ready to share Jesus. And Peter, had he was just going to the temple to pray, him and John, and, and God directed them through the Spirit to heal this guy. And this guy started leaping and walking. He hadn't walked since birth. And, and all of a sudden this created this whole commotion. And people came to see what's going on. And Peter, being um, ready to share Jesus, started to share Jesus. And that's what we saw last week. So we saw what he shared last week. And so as they were speaking, as they were ministering to the people, we see now in verse 1, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came in. So all this commotion, all this people gathering around here, there's a lot of talk, got their attention. So the priests came, and we're talking about the high priest, the head religious people. The captain of the guard came. It really speaks of the temple Police who came with his men, what to keep peace? I mean, there's a lot of people in the temple area uh, coming in for uh, prayer and the evening sacrifices, and so they don't want anything to get out of hand. So here's the priest, the high priest, here the head priest, I should say, the captain of the guard and his men, and then mentions here in verse one is the Sadducees. Now the Sadducees were one of the ruling groups. uh uh, there in israel we had pharisees sadducees essenes and different groups here and elders and all of israel and so the the sadducees though they were actually the high priest they're the head guys over everything and to understand a little bit about the sadducees too they only believed that the pentateuch the first five books of the bible were valid the rest of the old testament wasn't unlike the pharisees who believed The whole Old Testament. The Pharisees were pretty strict, but the Sadducees were the liberal guys. They're even the politicians, you should say. They tried to make nice nice with Rome and gain favors and and so here they are. They're the ones who are really in power right now out of all the groups of the ruling leaders, of the Jewish religious leaders there. They there's one thing interesting too. They did not believe in the supernatural. What that means is they didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in demons. They didn't believe in hell or they didn't believe in heaven. They saw that life right now was everything. They felt God is not involved in your life. So he created everything, but he's not really involved. And so everything was really about this life here on earth. And that's why they were into the money, into the power. They remember, if you remember, they controlled the marketplace, right? And, and they would gain money from all the sales of, uh, of the doves or sacrifices. And they got money for the mon- exchanging money and everything. So they're these guys, they're building up their life here on earth. And so they were not into the supernatural. So they did not believe in the resurrection, So you can understand that this greatly annoyed, as we see in verse 2, annoyed them. Because here's the disciples, or here's the apostles, Peter and John, teaching the people, proclaiming in uh, in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Saying Jesus is risen from the dead. And we saw that, that last time, that God raised Jesus up. And so they come in, there's this whole... Uh, commotion. They are finding out what's going on. They're hearing, and they find out, oh, hey, these guys, wait, 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 we can't have this. Uh, here in verse 2, where it says they were greatly annoyed, I believe there's two reasons. One is that they were unauthorized in teaching about the person and work of Jesus. They didn't like the resurrection. They didn't like what they were teaching, and that was not authorized here. It was unauthorized teaching that was going on. But also a second thing I believe is that they, were, they came in saying, these are unauthorized teachers, not just the teaching, but the teachers. For these guys, Peter and John, they were not official rabbis. They didn't have any schooling. They didn't have any of the degrees. They weren't a priest or anything. And so they did not like what Peter and John were doing here. So here they come in. Here's the Sadducees, the main guys now, bringing the temple police, the captain of the guard, uh, the, the high priest, the head priest, and they come in. And so they come in, and verse 3, they arrested them, put them into custody until the next day for it was already evening. Now remember back in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, we saw that it was the ninth hour. Remember what that was? 3 p.m that Peter and John went to go pray. It was the evening sacrifice. It was the evening prayer time. So they went uh, to at 3 p.m. And so by the time all this was happening, evening had come. Now, the religious leaders had a a policy that they would not hold a trial or a hearing in the evening time. Though it wasn't too long ago that they did that in the middle of the night with Jesus. But they said, nope. They arrested him put them in their prison and waited for the next day. But as they were trying to stop what was going on with Peter and John, their preaching, it was already too late because we see in verse 4, many of those who had heard the word believe. Many of those who heard Peter's preaching, what we saw last week from verse 11 to the end of chapter 3, they heard his message. They heard Peter sharing about Jesus. And and look at what happened. They heard the word and believed in Jesus. And they were saved. And the number of men who came to uh, be saved was about 5,000. Isn't that awesome? That is so great. Uh, one commentator was saying that, well, this doesn't count any women or children. So it could have been a lot more. It really could have been. So what I want you to see here is the opposition comes, but God's work cannot be stopped. And I think that's what we got to remember. The persecution may come. The opposition may come. The, the challenging times that seem to be going against God's work, God's moving, but you know what? God's work cannot be stopped. So I would... Take to heart tonight, whatever you may be facing, whatever opposition, whatever the enemy, Satan, may be coming to attack you with, you know, it's going to come. We know that persecution is going to come. But the opposition comes, but God's work cannot be stopped. I was thinking about John Bunyan. I don't know if you guys know about him. He wrote uh, that famous book, um pilgrim's progress Uh, if you haven't read that you should really read that it's a a really good allegory of the christian life well in the 1600s when he lived he was arrested for publicly preaching jesus publicly publicly teaching and preaching to people what you know why because he did not have valid credentials he was um a son of a poor man. He couldn't go to university, but he, it, 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 he, that wasn't going to deter him. He still went out, shared Jesus Christ. And even though he was put in prison, he still preached Jesus out of a prison window. People would gather outside his window just to hear him teach. Well, the authorities didn't like that, so they moved him into an inner prison where there was no window. But it was there that he actually wrote pilgrim's progress so god used that time and uh, he wasn't silenced god's work cannot be stopped even when opposition comes you know as, as i was looking through some articles today i thought it was interesting that it is predicted now that by 2025 a hundred there's going to be 160 million christians in china that's a prediction that number will surpass the United States. Matter of fact, this article was saying that officially China is, is an atheistic country. But in 2025, it's destined to become the largest Christian country in the world. Isn't that crazy? I was thinking, wow, the communistic uh, government there uh, is trying to suppress real Christianity. There's underground Churches that have flourished since the Boxer rebellion, rebellion back, I think it was in the 60s, when communism took over. It just exploded underground. China was trying to say, oh, okay, well, we can't beat them. Let's join them and allow some churches. But still, the real churches are, are being put down. And, and, and as I mentioned, pastors and leaders are, are disappearing and being arrested. Yet, despite the persecution... God cannot be stopped. Crazy. Yeah, crazy, isn't that? So the opposition comes and it will come. But understand this, first of all. God cannot be stopped. All right, let's go on to number two in this first persecution. The opportunity to share. The opportunity to share. Here is verse 5 through verse 12. Verse 5, it says, On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. We'll stop right there. So the next day comes. Uh, Peter and John had been arrested the the day before night came. So the next day finally comes, and, and, and so the Jewish rulers... The elders and the scribes gathered for this hearing, or sort of a, like a trial. Now, this is an official meeting of what we would call the Sanhedrin. They are the rulers of the, or, well, the people of Israel at that time. Rome allowed the Sanhedrin to conduct, continue to conduct this kind of uh, a rulership over the Jews there. And it consisted of elders. Uh, they would come from throughout the land. They were like the leaders or heads of synagogues and, in different parts of, of Israel. They all come. They had, there was the Essenes. There was the Sadducees, as I mentioned. And there were scribes. Many of the scribes, the, they were the experts in the law. They copied the scripture. So they were like the lawyers. And many of the scribes were Pharisees. And so the other group of, of, uh, the other ruling group of Pharisees were there. There there, the Sanhedrin, 71 in total, and they gathered together. Then Luke writes here that it also included Annas, verse 6, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander. And they're all of the high priestly family. And we're talking about they're all part of the Sadducees. Remember, they're the guys. They were the high priest. They're the, the heads here. Now, Annas, Uh, It says here, the high priest. Well, technically he wasn't. Caiaphas was sitting in that position. But Annas was the one who uh, was uh, holding that position before Caiaphas, which is actually, I believe, his son-in-law. And Annas still held the power. Uh, he was like sort of like the, 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 the head of the syndicate here. And, and that's what this basically was. These guys were, were pretty, pretty uh, dark in what they, were, they would be doing, as I mentioned. They um, suppressed the people. They uh, were into the money and getting money and all. And so here's Annas, the high priest, the head guy there. Caiaphas, who actually sat in the chair, his son-in-law, uh, John and Ale- Alexander, we don't know anything about them, but it seems that they were a part of this family, and they were all there also. Now, what's interesting to me is here's Peter and John before these guys. Not too long ago, probably uh, uh, we would say like 40 days, Right? a um, little over 40 days, Jesus stood in front of these same guys. So it's like this this same almost picture, but with Peter and John. And we're going to see in a moment that also the, the lame man, the healed man is there too. All right, so verse seven. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers, the builders which has become the cornerstone. Verse 12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So, the religious leaders, they bring in Peter and John, and as I mentioned, the, the healed man, and they ask him, Alright, by what power or, or what name did you do this? Now, right at that moment they're asking Peter and John right this question you know what here is a door that has opened up for Peter and John a door has been opened an opportunity to share Jesus to guess who those who put Jesus to death I feel like this is God's mercy and grace upon them yeah that God is going to use this time to reach out the very guys who are persecuting them here's a chance for them to share and here's a here's God in his grace wanting to reach out to them if by perhaps but they may be convicted and give their heart to Jesus and so God in 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 his sovereign will opening this door and this opportunity it says in verse 8 then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. I love that. Here's Peter. He's, he, notice he's politely addressing these guys. You know, he, he says, rulers of the people and elders. You know, he's not angry that he got thrown and, and arrested and taken into custody. He, he's politely. I think Peter sees this as an amazing opportunity too. To try and share Jesus with these guys. And I love how it says Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to be seeing in the book of Acts how God fills people with the Spirit. In a regular, in a consistent, uh, when needed kind of way. And that's the same thing that Paul talked about in Ephesians 5.15. When he says be filled with the Spirit be continually filled with the Spirit. Be consistently, be regularly, daily, moment by moment, be filled with the Spirit. Right? We need that, don't we? Especially when we face the attacks, when we face the, the, the persecution, when we when the devil comes at us with so many different things, We our emotions can be agitated. We can easily be driven by the flesh, but we don't want to Walk in the flesh. We want to walk by the Spirit. And so, I love this. If it's anything that would speak to us tonight, let it be this. In circle, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. He spent a night in custody. He was taken into custody unfairly. I'm sure that he wasn't. Him and John weren't treated rightly. Yet, here's Peter filled with the Spirit. It isn't like Peter was once filled when the Spirit came upon them in chapter 2 of Acts with Pentecost. No, here he was filled for this moment, for this time. And I believe that you and I, we need to to cry out to God for that daily. In our situations, God, fill me with the Spirit so you can help me face this with your power. You and I, think about it this way. We're like leaky vessels. (laughs) We're leaky containers right? And we need that constant filling. So be aware of that. Let's continue to ask God to fill us with the Spirit. So Peter shares now, and he says uh, in verse 9, uh, look, if we're being examined, if we're being questioned of, uh, about of doing something good in, in the healing of this man, he says in verse 10, look, let it be known. Let it be clear, very clear to you guys that, you know what, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Remember, uh, Jesus was a popular name back then, and Peter particularly, specifically uh, indicates this is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one from Nazareth, the, that famous one that was walking. And then he says, look, you guys know, it's the one you guys crucified. Whoa. Whoa. That's pretty bold, Peter. But that's the Holy Spirit. But whom God raised from the dead. That's pretty bold, too. Because, you know, that'll get under the skin of all the Sadducees, that family there that don't believe in resurrection, don't believe that people are raised from the dead or go to heaven, and that will even, even annoy them more. But Peter wasn't playing favorites here. Peter wasn't trying to get out of the situation here. No, he who is being truthful to the truth that these guys may hear it and be saved, and and so it's by Jesus. Jesus, you know Jesus, the one you crucified, the one you crucified. Yet God raised him from the dead. He's the one who has made this man standing before you. Well, I'm sure Peter's like pointing to the guy. The guy is there as as a, as a witness. The guy is there is like. Uh, they probably brought him in to testify, to show to all the Sanhedrin what was going on, to show the whole story. And so then Peter, in verse 11, he says, You know what, this Jesus, he then quotes Psalm 118.22. Here he is again, quoting Old Testament. This is a stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the corner stone. So here's Peter Presenting now to the Sanhedrin. You want me to answer your question? It's Jesus. It's in His name, by His authority, by His power, this man was healed. It means Jesus is alive, that Jesus is God, because only God could do this miracle. And then Peter makes this incredibly bold statement in verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else. Who, who is he talking about? Jesus. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name. Who is that? Jesus under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I like that word must. He he's saying, look, there is no other way. And, and you, you must be saved, you guys. Your sins have to be taken care of. You've got to be redeemed by Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He's the only Savior of our sins. Peter is being pretty bold, saying Jesus is the only way. Isn't this what Jesus said? He made the statement in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light. No one comes to the Father except Through me. Jesus made that statement. And now Peter here in verse 12, which is a huge verse, you guys. It should be like underlined, circle, highlighted, whatever in our Bibles, because it's pretty straightforward that salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. No one else, no other prophet, nothing else in, in the world will bring salvation. Only Jesus Christ. Have you ever talked to someone who's, who says something like, well, all roads lead to Rome. You know, all spokes, like spokes of a wheel, they all come to the center hub. You ever ever think about that? What are they saying? Well, all the religions, they basically eventually bring us to God. Well, what, what are they saying? That, oh, well, every religion is similar in the sense their goal is the same in it and that's how we can get close to God and have a relationship or be quote unquote "saved." But it's not true, is it? I mean think about this for example Islam. They worship God they call Allah. He's a holy God. But understand this in Islam you cannot know Allah personally you don't really have a relationship with him. And what did uh, Jesus say? John 14, 6. No one comes to the Father, right? Close, have a close relationship with the Father as his children, except through Jesus. It's not the same. There is, it does, uh, uh, Islam does not bring you into a close relationship with God. Hinduism holds that there's not one God, but many gods, actually 350 million. So how can you come to know God, even the three, there's no way, you can't know all of them. Buddhism, right, believes that there is no God. So how could all roads lead to Rome when Buddhism doesn't even believe in, in any God? So, The saying is false, if you really think about it. Not all religions lead to God. Only Jesus can bring you to the true God. So you understand, the world can be hostile to what we believe in. To what we believe in, it's like, oh, you guys are so narrow. But it's not us saying that. It's what Jesus said. It's what Peter is even declaring here in verse 12. That there's no salvation in no one else. That there's salvation in no one else. No other name under heaven by which we must be saved. But this belief in us, this belief in ours, that Jesus is the only way, is the opportunity to share that truth. Because that's what the Bible says. And that's the only way we know that a person be, can be saved. And I think it's okay to be radical. I think it's okay to say, Oh, no, you know what? What the Bible says, what God has done, it's only through Jesus. So it's actually the opportunity to share and bring, bring people to Jesus. And that's what we see here. Peter, he gets bold, filled with the Spirit, and he's bringing these guys, the Jewish religious leaders, to Jesus, to face-to-face, to see with this miracle that, look, it's not us. It's in Jesus' name. By what power? What name? In Jesus. Guess what? The one you crucified, he has really risen from the dead. And they know that. There's rumors going around. They tried to cover it up, remember? And now it's fully out there. They're facing that fact. So here's Peter seeing this as the opportunity to, to share and bring these guys to Jesus. Uh, a past friend of mine was, uh, was sharing, I was listening to him, and uh, um, he shared how uh, this mother, to someone he, who knows, uh, um, was the mother was a leader in the Communist Party in Cuba years ago. And it the mother turned in, her own son uh, for, because he gave his life to Jesus Christ crazy he was tortured electrocuted um, they even put chemicals shot chemicals in his body and made him kind of lose his mind a little bit but eventually he, he he got his mind back and everything but he never denied his faith years later years and years later he's actually a Calvary Chapel pastor but his Testimony opened up the heart of his mother. It, it gave an opportunity for him to share with the mother and he was able to lead her to Jesus Christ. You see, the persecution, the opposition will come, but it really is the opportunity to share and bring people to Jesus Christ. And that's what we see here. You know, we may be going through things, but look at it not so much as, oh, no, ah, oh, it's raining again or the wind blowing again. Oh, no, I don't like this. But try and look at it as an opportunity that maybe God is creating for you to be able to share Jesus, to share the word, to share your testimony, to bring God into the situation. And I believe God will help you, empower you with the spirit to be able to do what God is wanting to do there. All right, so this is the first persecution. The opposition comes, but God's word cannot be stopped. The opportunity to share and bring people to Jesus. And now number three, the overwhelming miracle. I call it the overwhelming miracle. Uh, Verse 13 to the end of the chapter is our section. But first of all, look at verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I love this verse too. This is so awesome. So these guys, the Sanhedrin, the, the Sadducees, the elders, seen... The boldness of Peter and John, it just blew them away. These religious leaders, they're like, whoa, wait, wait, what's going on here? They perceived, they could see that these guys were uneducated. In other words, they had no degrees. There was no rabbinic schooling going on here. Yet, they seemed to have a command of the truth. They spoke powerfully here. Even Peter, quoting scripture and these guys are just common men they were fishermen right they 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 were fishermen were like hardly anybody in society back then they weren't in the upper echelon or anything like that so here they're blown away how without hesitation peter powerfully boldly spoke before these high leaders of israel And i think they're overwhelmed with that i think this was a miracle to them to actually see whoa peter and john peter being like that you know it made me think about the other day i was reading in my devotions um how jesus took the five loaves and the two fish and fed the five thousand right and and in my journal i kind of pulled out the like three verses just basically you know the five loaves two verses and then how, how Jesus took them, yeah, and they are multiplied. And then on well, the, the last verse in that section, how 5,000 were fed. And I put that in that journal because it really spoke to me and touched my heart in how Jesus could take a little. Remember, it was like, well, we don't have that much, only five loaves and two fish. How can we feed everyone? Well, Jesus can take the little we have, multiply it, and do a miracle. And, and that's what I feel like, that here's Peter. These guys look, and, look at them as having nothing or having little. Yet, through the Holy Spirit, Peter was powerful. Peter was empowered. P- Peter was multiplied in, in his boldness here. And for me, and I hope for you, that Jesus can take the little you have and do miracles. You can be the miracle through his power, through the Holy Spirit. And notice one other thing here in verse 13. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They recognized that the way they talked meant they spent time with Jesus. The claims they were making was the same things Jesus was claiming to be. That Jesus is God. And I think there is no higher compliment they received that they had spent time with Jesus, that Jesus had influenced them. And there's no higher compliment that we can get to say that, wow, you're a Jesus follower. You're a Jesus freak. Oh, yeah, I am. If you see that my time in, word, in the Word, in prayer, my time in church, my time with Jesus is making me more like Jesus, and, and that's what you're saying, hey, that's a compliment to me. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So there the healed man was there and um, the healed man is also standing with Peter and John. um, and, And so here's this guy standing there healed. Everyone knows this guy, right? And so they're like, well, we can't refute them. We can't refute what's going on. So they sent everyone out of the council room And they had a discussion. They're saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with these guys? We cannot deny the miracle, the power there. Everyone knows what happened here. There's no way we can deny it. They believe it. The people see it. But maybe let's do this. So they discuss this. Well, um, let's warn them that they can't speak the name of Jesus anymore. They can't keep teaching that, spreading that. And so they called them back in and commanded them uh, to, to not speak or teach in the name of Jesus. So, isn't this great? The miracle could not be silenced. So, they wanted to silence Peter and John and probably the man who was healed too, who was jumping around praising God, right? And I'm sure he knew that is Jesus now. The miracle cannot be silenced. And the miracle basically saying, Jesus cannot be silenced. The truth of God cannot be silenced. The word cannot be silenced. 2 Timothy 2.9, it says, For which I am suffering, Paul wrote, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. God cannot be stopped. Well, Peter replies then in verse 19, And Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Peter and John responded that, Hey, we can't stay silent here. I mean, he's like, Well, let me put this on you guys. What do you guys think? I mean, Think about this. Should we, let me ask you this. Should we listen to you or what God tells us to do? What's the obvious answer? Uh, no, we. they got to listen to God and continue to to speak about Jesus. So so Peter's like, well, so we can't be silent. We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. That, that, what, we can't be silent here. We, we have to share. We must share our testimony. Well, understand, and we're going to see more in the next chapter, but when authorities command to not share Jesus, then you know what? It's grounds to disobey, right? To disobey the authorities because it's better to be submitted and obedient to God. And, and there's a point where we cannot be, when it, when it uh, conflicts with the authorities, then you got to go with what God is saying. Someone said this, the trouble with so many today is the voice of their neighbor sounds louder in their ears than the voice of God. Let's you and I be careful. Fear God more than we fear man. So be bold for Jesus. Keep sharing the name of Jesus. Keep sharing his word. All right, verse 21. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. I mentioned that before, that the man who was healed uh, was was older. And remember, he was uh, lame from birth. So this has been 40 years like this. And uh, probably most of those years, he was there at the steps going, into the temple area uh, begging so everyone knew him the religious leaders knew this guy he was he was like a a common thing there and now he's healed so the religious leaders could not say anything they could not do anything the people were praising God for the miracle healing and if the the religious leaders couldn't go against that or they would look bad The religious leaders were stuck because they didn't want to look bad and they couldn't make Peter and John look bad. So they're just stuck there. And here's what it is. This miracle, the overwhelming miracle, really testified to the power of God. The overwhelming miracle testifies to the power of God. So no matter the persecution, when God moves and that miracle happens, you you can't silence that. It's out there. It's strong. It's it's a bigger testimony than whatever, anything that you can say. Remember when um, King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 3 made that image of gold and had the whole nation... Uh, bow to that image when the music played, and it was an image of himself, and and uh, and so um, it was basically worshiping him. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these Jewish young men, right? They did not bow when the music started. So what happened? Remember, they were thrown what, where, into that fiery furnace, right? And they were thrown in their bound. But then when the king looked into the furnace, he saw four people there. The three, they were loose, the ropes. The only thing burned was the ropes. When they were taken out, there was no singe of, 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 of smell of fire on them or their hair wasn't singed. But when he looked, he didn't see three guys. He saw four guys. And in the end, in this miracle... King Nebuchadnezzar could not deny what happened. And what did he do? He gave glory to God. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, The true God. The overwhelming miracle testified to the power of God here. And I believe that's what God wants to work. Whether it's some incredible amazing miracle that happens or maybe it's just a miracle of a person in their stance before this opposition and what they say and what they do that's still a miracle and in like the 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 religious leaders were amazed and how peter and john they're uneducated common men but look at them talk where'd that come from Look at them stand here boldly. Look at them powerfully proclaiming Jesus. That's a miracle that you cannot suppress or deny. So keep in your heart. The opposition comes, but God's work cannot be stopped. The opportunity to share will be opened up to bring people to Jesus. And the overwhelming miracle testifies to the power of God. I'm going to close with this. In 1865, a missionary named Robert uh, Germain Thomas went to Korea as a missionary. It was a dangerous place to go. Uh, Korea was actually back then called the Hermit Kingdom because they would not allow any foreigners in. Two years earlier, uh, before Robert Thomas went, Uh, Korean authorities massacred 8,000 converts. But Thomas was not deterred. He actually disguised himself, and he went in preaching the gospel and giving out Chinese Bibles. On the trip the next year, the trading ship he was traveling on was attacked. Hostile Koreans set it on fire, Anyone who was escaping the ship was killed right there on the riverbank. It's told that there Robert Thomas was opening crates of of Bibles that he had brought to give, and he was flinging them off the boat to the people on the banks, shouting, Jesus, Jesus. When his own clothes caught on fire, he jumped overboard, swam to shore, and gave his last Bible to a soldier, looking up at him, begging him to take it. But the soldier took a machete out and killed him. But that's not the end of the story. The soldier could not get the beaming face of Robert Thomas out of his mind. So he ended up keeping the Bible. When the government ordered those Bibles to be destroyed, the soldier actually took it apart and used the pages of the Bible for his wallpaper inside his house and people heard about this and they began to come and visit and come to his house to read the words on his wall the pages of the bible well the story went on to say the people got saved the church grew and that even the nephew of robert's killer became a pastor Today in Korea, I think it's around 30%, 30, 40% of the population in South Korea are, are Christian. And they say they, it's all because of Robert Thomas. I think that's a miracle on all, how that happened. This is the power of God happening even in times of persecution. And so it is with what we've seen here in this the first persecution Jesus as we close up here and pray God we we want to be dedicated to you Lord that no matter what we face in this as uh, our society changes more and more as we face more persecution as uh, more there more opposition comes Lord let us see it as an opportunity to share Jesus Lord, let us look to you and your purpose and plan and your sovereign will in all of this. And God, may we see the overwhelming miracle of your power as you work through this some way, somehow, whether it's an out and right, out and out kind of miracle that happens or whether the miracle is us, that we become a walking miracle, that we're bold in your spirit, that we're empowered with words and and wisdom and and, and boldness to stand, God, that against the opposition, to speak your truth, Lord, to plead with people out of compassion and love that they need you because Jesus is the only way to be saved, that, that, that people need to uh, be in the word, to be in church, to, to be close to Jesus, especially if they name your name. God, I pray that your spirit would embolden us now and that we would be committed, God, all the way to, to be the people and to live in a way and to speak, God, your name, Lord, without shame, God, but with all boldness, compassion, and power to show truly what we believe in. So, Lord, thank you, God, Because, Jesus, it's all about you. And it's your name that is sweeter than honey. It's your name that saves us. It's your name that is power. It's you, Jesus, that has saved us, rescued us, and has brought us into this relationship with you. God, thank you for this time and your word. In Jesus' name, amen.